Well, I've got a, I've got a few things in my heart that uh, I just want to open up with. This came to mind a few moments ago as back in the prayer room. And uh, I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 9. And we're going to start in verse 6. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 6. I'm reading, I've got the old King James right here, so uh, I don't even have the new King James. I was like, as far as my wife being a little bit younger than me, I need to update, huh? It says, in Hebrews 9 verse 6 says, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. So this is discussing, talking about going past the courts of praise into the very throne room of God, into the holy of holies, into the very presence where God himself dwelt in those days. And it's said that only at certain occasions would, would the high priest go in once a year, once a year into the holy place and not without blood. He went up by the blood, blood of bulls and calves. Those that were shadows and types foreshadowing the coming Christ whose blood would make a way for you and I to access his presence, not once a year, but day and night, anytime, anywhere. Remember where Jesus was speaking with the woman at the well and, and they were talking about where to worship was it, you know, on this mountain or here or there? And he said, you know what? God, our Father, is, is, is seeking true worshipers. It says those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, we're worshiping by the Spirit. We're ushered into His presence by the Holy Spirit with truth, not just natural earthly truth, but truth of a revealed knowledge of who he is. Not just true, you know, fact A, B, C. No, a truth of a knowledge of who the God that we're approaching, who he is. Is he El Shaddai? Is he Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there? Is he Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, my righteousness? Is he Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my victory? Who are we approaching? We're not just approaching, oh, ho, humdrum. No, God, I'm coming with expectation. I'm coming with some form of fervency, some form of zeal that the fire of of God has lit on the inside of me. I've not lit myself on fire. The, uh, he's an all-consuming fire. The mountains melt like wax in his presence. And when I stand closer to the fire, whoa, my pants are getting heated up. Oh, that burned my calf. Wow, why? Because I got too close to the fire. He's an all-consuming fire. So we know that he appeared to Moses in the bush of the fire, right? And he's revealing his plan, leading his people out of Egypt, leading them 
them into the promised land. He revealed by fire. I tell you what, he's still a God today that baptizes and fills with the Holy Ghost, with the Spirit of God and fire. That's what John the Baptist went before as a forerunner for Jesus, right? Saying that he, you know, he's just baptizing with water, baptizing into repentance, but there would come one after him that would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Why do we need fire? Because there's certain things in this life that try to land on us. You've heard this illustration before, right? That no fly is going to land on a hot stove, right? There's the things of the world will not be able to stay upon us as we stay, we maintain the glow. I believe it's Philippians that talks about that. One of the epistles that talks about maintaining the glow. The only way to, you're not going to maintain the glow by being diligent and just studying and just reading. Oh, I got my daily Bible reading. I'm just going to read. I'm doing my duty. You're going to maintain the glow and the fire by the Holy Spirit getting in there, communing with you, and the revealer, the spirit of truth, revealing truth under your heart where I'm changed by the glory of God. I'm changed from one degree of presence, from faith to faith, from revelation to revelation. Oh, he's bringing me up higher and I'm not even straining. I'm not trying. I'm not clawing. I'm not hoping, wishing. He's bringing me up higher into his presence. And so this verse of scripture says the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. While as the first tabernacle was still standing, which was a figure or a type for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. So this is talking about how that there was a way into the holiest of all that had not been made available. If we spent the time and went on continued reading, which we want, uh, but if we continued reading that chapter, we would see how that not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, he, he made an eternal once for all. One time did it. He didn't have to go back year after year. Well, that didn't quite stick. Let, let's try it again. No, he made one sacrifice eternally from days way gone by that would cover any and everything you and I need right now, July 22nd at 7-Eleven, any and everything we need. He paid the price and made the way for us to access him tonight. Amen. We can access the throne room of God tonight. Go past the courts of praise into the holy of holies with him. This is not make-believe. This is not just, oh, well, we're coming to church. We're just doing a nice thing. You know, you guys got a lot of good morals, a lot of family morals, and just, just wholesome people enjoy being around you. That's positive. I love that. But we're coming to commune with him. Right? We're coming. And it's, and I... I do not overcome anything I'm facing through self-effort. I don't overcome temptation. I don't overcome me. Can't get away from me. You know what I'm saying? Lord, deliver me from me. I remember thinking that years ago, right? It's like wherever you go, there you are. You've heard that, right? That's what that fire is for. But it's his nature, not my behavior modification. 
Not by, let me try this cognitive technique. Let me know that's helpful, naturally, psychologically, but I'm talking about things of life value, of change eternally. I'm changed by his nature. As we said earlier, you get up by the fire, man, that's affecting me. It's making me feel different. I don't feel the same way I did. I feel there's something in my whole being. My feelings are changing. My sensations are changing. And it's by his nature, whereby 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, some says something about how the grace and peace, not one without the other, not just grace, not just peace, but no divine enablement and peace, which produces patience and the perseverance, the power of God. Grace and peace are multiplied unto you through the knowledge of Christ. And it goes on saying, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we're set free from the nature and the corruption of the flesh. The nature of God. He, he helps me to want what He wants. He put His Spirit in me to want what He wants. Ever since I was 12 years old and gave walk down the aisle of that Christian church and accepted Christ as my Savior, He changed my want-tos. He put something different. I remember, I, remember, I remember, you know, when you're a kid, you know, I remember in sixth, second grade thinking, I'm the toughest kid in this school. It's like, <laughs> just, just kid. Was I the toughest? Of course not. But, you know, you're thinking that. You know, but I remember thinking, yeah, you get in a fight here and there. Just a time or two, right? few times. I was never really a scrapper, you know. Uh, but I remember, I remember after I got born again, I remember seeing two kids that I knew fighting on the playground. And I'd probably only been born again maybe a week or two. Man, there was something in me that just like, ah. This, I mean, as a 12-year-old, like I had this just, ah, you know. So I'm saying that to say his, his nature affects us. Amen. So this is Wednesday. We're just, we're just, where are we going? Praise the Lord. We're, we're just endeavoring to follow Him and, and, and enter into His presence. Before the worship team comes up, I want you know, we normally don't do this. Just, hey, Pastor Mark, what'd you do when we, what'd you guys do when we were going? We read from a book. <laughs> well, well, uh, I don't know who not to call on next time. But tonight, praise God. Go ahead and turn this off so Pastor Mark don't hear this point. No, I'm joking. I'm totally teasing. I'm going to read just for a few minutes from this book. I had this book since uh, before Christy and I even got married. We've been married 26 years. And this was published in, uh, well, it had to be close to that time because this was published in 1994. So I had to, be, had to, had to get this right before we were married. Uh, but, you know, some, some things are just stirring uh, some things just stir you up. And, you know, so some things are, might be worth reading for a few moments here. Let me find my place in this. I had, a, I had it marked. Um, I, have one, I have two places marked. There it is. Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. I'm just going to read this first scripture. Haggai chapter 2, verse 9 says, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, says the Lord of hosts. 
The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, says the Lord of hosts. What's that talking about? That's an Old Testament word from a prophet that saw the days that you and I are living in. And then he knew of how the glory of God would dwell in the temple and then the Holy of Holies, like we were talking about, and, and how the glory of God would manifest. And he prophesied and said, the glory of the Lord in the latter days will be greater than that of the former. And so you and I know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if we saw glory of God manifested in the old covenant, how much better under a new and better covenant with better promises, with living sacrifices, living temples, walking of God, how much more? It's his desire. It is his will for his glory to be manifested. Let me read this here. It says, what is the glory of God? It's more accurate, however, to ask who is the glory of God? The glory of God is the Spirit of God. Actually, let me say real quick, this book that I'm reading from, it's called Preparing for His Glory by Mark Brzee. If you don't know who Mark Brzee is, he's a guy that traveled and did tons of meeting with Joe Morris. So I'll say that and say, you don't know who Mark Brzee is, but you know who Joe Morris is. He comes here a lot. So it's one of Joe Morris's buddies. Here's where I'm reading from. It says, the glory of God is the Spirit of God when He brings His very presence in our midst. We see this more clearly in the book of Romans, chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Romans 8, 11 says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. So it goes on to say, Both verses were written in the same letter, by the same author, to the same Christians. And one verse said that the glory of God raised Jesus from the dead. And the other said that the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. <clears throat> so who is the glory of God? The glory of God is the Spirit of God. So when His glory manifests, what is that? That's His presence. That's his spirit. That's the spirit of the Lord manifesting. That makes sense to you? You know that. We're reiterating truth. We're already established in. Let me read this part here. Read a few pages here. Not every single word on the page. But in this little story here, he was, he was making reference to how uh, the guy that started the Bible school, where he went to Bible school, which was... Brother Hagen, he went to Ramah. And so he was saying that Brother Hagen had related a story one time of how that there was a couple of churches that he would travel to and that he would uh, notice that when he would go there, just tons of gifts of the Spirit would manifest. And, and so he loved going to those churches and sometimes he would go to those and he'd just get so consumed with the presence of God to where like he wasn't even really preaching and teaching as much as he had planned just because the gifts of the Spirit were just manifesting. So he'd get really stirred up and then he would, he would think, okay, now the next place I'm going to, hallelujah, God, you're on the move. And it's like he, he said that he would study 
and prepare twice as much. He would pray twice as much because he was just expectant. He was just ready. And then he would get to the next church and he was talking about, you know, if we had a weak tongue, <laughs> tongue and interpretation, right? And, a, you know, and a le even less, you know, more weak interpretation, we were doing good. <laughs> and so... So he and then he makes comment. He said, what was the difference? And that would puzzle him. And this is where I'll pick up re reading. It said, then the minister, who was Brother Hagin, said, I finally saw it. The difference was in the people. The difference was in the people. The move of the Spirit depended on what the people desired and expected. The move of the Spirit depended on what the people desired and expected. Now I'll say on that, I don't even think that's so much like, let's pretend we're back in junior high and we've got a football coach like, come on guys, we just, just try to beat motivation into you. You just try to charge you up and just try to cheerlead you. You just try to, come on, let's go. That has its place, but you know, sooner or later, you know, whether the coaches motivating those kids or not, sooner or later, those kids have to have something on the inside of them to motivate themselves. A cheerleader, a preacher, a coach can be a help, but sooner or later, there's something on the inside that needs to be worked or needs to some way get there. So I started off saying that to say, even these statements the move of the Spirit depending on what the people desired and expected. That even in itself, I believe that follows along with the, the Scripture says that it's God that works in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. It's He who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. I don't believe it's how much I can want it in my self-effort. But I believe it's me being a baby Christian, walking from infancy to maturity, walking through states of carnality, being conformed to the world, looking and acting just like the world, but then getting in services or getting around teaching or reading my Bible where we all behold, remember 2 Corinthians 3.18? That says we all behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. That's like we're looking into the Word of God and by the help of the Holy Spirit, we're seeing the glory of God. It's coming right back into us. The Holy Spirit's holding up a mirror to us and He's saying, this is what I've done for you in Christ. This is who I've made you to be. This is what belongs to you. This is yours. This is what you have. This is what you can do. This is what I've made possible. This is why I suffered. This is why I bore all your sins and iniquities. All of those things. This is, this is you and my workmanship created in Christ Jesus. This is why I paid the price for you to have fun at Disneyland. You know what I'm saying? I remember that illustration where some parent was like bringing the kid along and said, no, I paid too much money for you. You're going to have a good time. You know? So in that sense, God might be saying to us in a nice way, but it's like, Carlton, bless God, you're going to have a good time. You're going to fulfill the plan and God on your life. And you know what that is, right? Amen. Why? Because he's revealed it to your heart, right? You have it on the inside. You got inside information. No man knows the spirit of a man save that spirit in him, right? 
Praise the Lord. So it's like having a good, he's paid too high a price for us to have a good time. Amen. And Lord, where in the world was I before? Where do, where do we go from there? Praise the Lord. Where was it? Hallelujah. And praise the Lord. What we're we talking about? Well, let's just pick up, let's just pick up with desire. How's that? That fire, right? The fire doesn't burn higher because like all, you know, just because of a natural desire to want it to. I mean, that's the beginning place. It's like desires change. The level of intensity and zeal and fire changes as I'm spending time with him. What's in him? I know legally and technically and redemptively, it's already in me. I know that. He lives in me. I know that. But let's just say for preaching purposes, what's in him gets in me, right? Maybe a, maybe a better way to say it in more scriptural accuracy would be what's, in, what's already on the inside of me gets stirred up. What's already been deposited on the inside of me gets stirred up. There's something about like magnetism, magnets that come together, you know, and they pull. Maybe there's something when I'm getting the presence of God, there's something in, on the inside of him that resonates with what's on the inside of me and stuff that lied dormant and ha hadn't been exercised much. It stirs it up and it and brings it back up to service. And it's from that that then I'm like, hmm, I think I'll go to church on Wednesday. <laughs> Don't normally go, but... I think I'll go. And then you come in and like, whoa, what's going on here? And I tell you what's going on here is that like when these guys are doing worship and here we are just worshiping the Lord and it's like we're coming in and we're like right here. Music starts and it doesn't just look right, doesn't just sound right, because you know, music can look right, and it can sound right. I'm not picking on nobody, but it's like, hmm, something ain't right. Looks right, sounds right. Where's the, where's the glory? Where's the anointing? That's going to make the real difference. So in our lives, me might look right, might sound right, but do my wife, do my kids, like, yeah, it feels right. Daddy feels right. He doesn't just look right, doesn't just sound right. It feels right, too, when I'm with him. So I'm saying all that to say, oh, <laughs> what was I saying? What we're saying, what happens in here? We start off with degrees. We start off right here. And then glory, we're, we're changed from glory to glory. And degrees of revelation, degrees of the glory of God starts manifesting. And, and our attention becomes focused. Our attention is hooked in on Him. And we're pulling. And we're worshiping Him. And like, things start coming up. And then people walk in here and like, whoa, my church is good. I love the people there, but I sense something in here that's, feels different what's going on and then I think I mentioned earlier 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 earlier right when it said we all behold in a mirror behold the glory of the Lord we're changed into his same image same image 
That's his will. Same image. That's his plan. Same image. That's his purpose. Same image. His plan, his purpose, that's his, that's his all for you. And that's his will. That's the possibility for you. Same image. And we're changed from glory to glory. We experience degrees of the glory of God. Sometimes stronger than other. Nonetheless, if it's just by ourselves and we are here reading the word, we're exposed to the glory of God. And that's how change takes place on the inside of us. Through him revealing truth to us. Through, we're, oh, we're getting next to him like, ooh, feeling different. I'm thinking different. The way I think is changed. The way I perceive things has changed. Why? Because he worked that change in me and worked in me to will and desire of his good pleasure. So, if we're desiring, if we're a church, I, there's no doubt, and I'm so thankful to be here. Live here. Because I know, because on occasion, I get to hear the ministers that come through here, and, and you do too, right? But sometimes I get to hear them personally. But same thing, whatever. It's like how they talk about, man, you guys have no idea. You don't realize that you're one of those churches to where the gifts of God can flow and move in ways that they're not accustomed to and the other places that they go to travel. And that is a credit, number one, to Jesus. Number two, Pastor Mark, 20 years of teaching this body and leading by example. I'll just say this real quick since it's Wednesday. and <laughs> Just try not to be ADHD and just say anything that comes up. <laughs> oh, that thought came to mind, so I said it. <laughs> but I will say, I remember back, this came, I think, to mind yesterday. I remember back in 2003, um, yeah, Pastor Mark, the church was a couple years old. We were living in Colorado, and I'd talk with Pastor Mark, and he had had a CD series at that time. It was on the power of God. And I, you know, was talking with him about it, and I said, man, something is working in him. To where, you know, not just about, oh, look, talk about the power of God. No, in the power of God to where, like, I'm not waiting on revival anymore. I'm not waiting on God to move anymore. He's made it available. I'm going to start walking in the power of God. I'm going to start acting like what he said is true. And so I say that the credit to you as a body that's hungry, that he got up close to the fire years ago, right? And, and, he, and his thinking started changing. And he's like, let's do this, right? And that's why I'm today, right? With your guys, we're all one body, right? When in this atmosphere, when it's charged, miracles, healings, and good things, lives are changed, right? Amen. So, praise the Lord. So, let me keep reading here. Um, it says, the difference was in the people, the move of the Spirit, depending on what the people desired and expected. The difference is in what we desire and what we expect. We thought for years that we should sit back and wait to see what God would do because 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, these gifts operate as God wills. <clears throat> There's confusion around that. But then 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, but covet earnestly the best gifts. Right? So 
Two chapters later, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. So did Paul get confused partway through his writing? No, he did not. He didn't get confused. Amen. Said, why should we desire and covet them if we have nothing to do with it? If they only operate when God wants them to, because God moves where he is desired and invited and where people want him to move. And first of all, I'm going to look at First Corinthians. Look in your Bible, First Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at that real quick. I'm going to see what my Bible says. Uh, in that verse of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 30. No, I'm sorry. Well, I know it's in 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 11, But all these works that one in the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Always heard that for, that's just a total another side note. Not ADHD, but just a good, I think this fits here. <laughs> another side note. Um, that what I read there, it said that uh, a lot of times people always talk about these gifts operate as God wills. In my Bible, in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 12 says, But all these work that one and the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. I remember reading that back in the late 80s and thinking, that doesn't talk about as he wills. That doesn't say that. It says as he will. He will do that. He will move. He will do that. Just a side note. On there. Let me get, keep reading here. What determines the move of the Spirit in these churches? Does God say, I like this bunch over here and I'm going to move all the time, but there's something about that bunch down there, I just don't like them? No. It says, is God a respecter of churches? No. Churches are made up of people and God is no respecter of persons. Does God change from church to church? No, he said in Malachi 3, verse 6, he says, I am the Lord and I change not. So it's not that God's change. And then we read, does Jesus change from church to church? Nope. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, according to Hebrews 13, 8. Does the Holy Ghost change? Nope. The Holy Ghost doesn't change. What changes then? There's only one group left. God does not change. Jesus does not change. And the Holy Ghost does not change. Then the church is the one that has to change. The difference is the people and whether they are filled with lethargy or expectancy. And I believe we're a bunch that's filled with expectancy. Amen. I'll read this one last part here. <clears throat> it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, says uh, Paul was writing. Let me read this. It says, follow after love, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. In writing about spiritual gifts, did you notice that Paul did not write to the pastor at Corinth? He did not say, dear pastor at the church of Corinth, you need, you need to desire spiritual gifts. No, he wrote to the saints or the church at Corinth. He wrote to the whole group. The move of the Spirit of God has as much to do with the congregation as it has to do with with any leadership. Amen. I'll read one uh, more passage of Scripture here, and then we'll, I believe, we'll, then we'll ask, we'll have the worship team come back up here. Second um, Corinthians chapter, no, I'm Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 11. <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 11. 
And it came to pass when the priest were come out of the holy place. For all the priests that were present were sanctified. You guys can come on up now. And did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, Heman, Jedathon with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests, sounding with trumpets. It says, It came to pass, as the trumpeteers and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard and praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praise the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So I believe you and I can expect to worship God as New Testament believers, as temples of the Holy Spirit. I believe that you and I can turn the volume on our expectancy tonight. I believe we can just just crank it up just a notch and not worry about what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. We may worship God for the rest of the time, We may worship for 20 minutes and I may come up and share something else I have in my heart to share about something else. I'm not not concerned. I'm not worried. I don't care. Let's just turn it up for a moment and expectancy to where, Lord, my expectation is from you and you alone and not through your own effort or straining. Just saying, thank you, Lord. You're working in me. You're willing, working in me to will and do your good pleasure. I just thank you, Lord. I'm at the throne of mercy. I'm at the throne of grace. I just thank you that I'm accepted in your sight. I just thank you that you paid such a high price, the blood of Christ, not silver and gold, money, anything else to redeem me, but you gave your very own life, your very own blood. You came and you you died for me. You went to hell for me. You rose up from the, from the grave. You were resurrected. You ascended on high. And guess what? Father, I thank you that Jesus is, is serving out. His, his, his ministry is not over. He was just here 33 years. But Father, I thank you that he's at a present day ministry at the right hand of the throne of God. He's